little something in there. Orange, tangerine. Okay. Tangerine. I yep. love it. It's time for the Art and Science Punks podcast. The podcast where we talk about art, science, and technology. As punks, we love to create, to explore, to fail, to learn, and to listen to loud music. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stenzinger, and with me tonight and every night is my amazing punk partner. Hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger. Hey, Robbie. Tonight we're going to talk about This Week in Science. Oh, really? Like the science news of the world? Yes, the science news of the world. If the world were these, I guess, I don't know how many walls are in here. <laughs> Your office is shaped weird. It's shaped like a Tetris piece. It is shaped like a Tetris piece. Yep. So if the world were, um, you know, these six walls. <laughs> Quick count. <laughs> close enough. Yeah, close enough. Okay, so maybe not the wide world, but the things that are uh, we're running into. Yeah, kind of okay. where where have we bumped into science this week in our lives? Okay, awesome. And I don't mean like I went to the gas station and my car runs on gas. Science. Uh, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, if it went deeper than that, actually, I'm sold. I mean, that sounds fun. If if we have thoughts to share on. I do have a couple uh, silly things like that to share tonight. Okay. But well, well, good. Yeah. A little more than... It's a little more engineering than here's science. A and then yeah. science and I, <laughs> I gesticulate and bash my microphone stand. <laughs> uh, okay. No, I have some that are a little more engineering than science that happened this week, but they're along the same vein. So. Yeah, okay. Awesome. I'm, I'm really curious uh, what you have, but uh, yeah. I suppose I have one to share as well. One? Yeah. Yes. It was a big one. Oh, it's a big one? Okay, good. Like this might be a short podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't think you want my whole story. This thing could go on and on. <laughs> That's true. I know the one. Yes. Oh, now I know. Well, let me start by saying uh, one of the things that, that um, I haven't or I had the opportunity to do this week that was very um, science and engineering like is uh, we were doing um, our week of giving um, in my day job and this is where we're raising money for charities and we're trying to get the whole company involved and have everybody kind of participate and enjoy. So what my company does is has a whole week of just kind of fun activities that you can participate in and donate money mm. um, as you participate. So you can, you know, pay $5 to go on a lake walk and, mm. you know, you'll get a bottle of water and a granola bar, but all the money raised goes to the charities then. And so there's a different event every day and there's a lot of meals. There's a, donuts you know there's a donut breakfast and there's these kinds of things okay um so it's just kind of a fun participation but one of the things that we did was um a mini golf challenge hmm. and so there was a couple different ways to participate right so the first was that you could sign up to build or construct your own golf hole okay and then you know so i think we had six or seven groups sign up to build a golf hole and then the day of the event then everyone in the organization could go and mini golf through the different golf holes and so there was one or two on each floor of our building it was really kind of fun so there was a lot of engineering going on there with everybody kind of putting together um, their golf holes and then trying to figure out how to to putt through these mini golf holes okay yeah were some people doing 
were, were they clearly executing on a plan that was informed by earlier drafts and iterations or was there a lot of winging it or? Um, no, you know, this year I will say the quality was quite high. So, mm. and to be honest, our facilities team did a whole and oh. it was, it was downright professional. I yeah. mean, they had uh, so many different components to it that was like crazy professional. Um, but I think everybody that did one um, had to, had put some thought into it. So I would say some trial and error. Okay, cool. cool. So ours, um, I'll just briefly say ours, we used a bag board, you know, like when you pay, play with the bean bags and you throw. Oh, We call it cornhole. I don't know if other people call it that. Yeah, I don't know if you want to Google that. Probably so. not. But um, it's the bean bags that you throw into the board um, with the hole in it. Yeah. You know, standing well, I Honestly, I I encountered that game as is called Here Dummy. Really? Yeah. I'm not. I, mean, I don't know if that's much better. <laughs> I've but only ever was... heard it called bags. Really? Yeah. Or cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so fine. So so you have bean bags, right, that are roughly about the size of your hand or slightly smaller than an adult adult hand, which is a pillow full of some kind of little whatever, rice, whatever. And then you've got sort of a, a pseudo ramp. It looks like something you could take a BMX bike off. Yeah. But at least not quite that sturdy, but it's got a hole in it. And, um, and it sits maybe the, the height of the ramp is maybe a foot or so off the ground. Foot and a half maybe. Oh, no. Less than that. Or even, or it depends on your whatever. Yeah. The one I encounter. Hold on. And then it had an arrow pointing to a hole in the middle of the upper middle, you know, of this, of this ramp. Of, and it, in pairs, there were two of them. And then it below the arrow, it said, here, dummy. Okay. So that's so it. So now they're often um, painted um, for a sports team. Oh, sure. Right? So, I mean, it doesn't matter, like hockey, football, basketball. That's kind of how they're... Nah, so they're not all homemade and... And saying, and full of, here, dummy. Yeah. Okay. So at any rate, we use that ramp as part of our... Um, golf hole just as a part and this was the piece I was going to say and one of the things that we learned is um, the and we had to we had to put some kind of cardboard and, and some felt over top of it because there was a lip right if you hit your golf ball at that ramp you would just hit the ramp and stop so we had felt put felt and stuff to make it angled but the um, angle of that whole ramp up mm-hmm. to the cornhole I'm going to just call it that now um, was too steep. Um, and so we ended up with a lot of problems kind of trying to figure out the, um, you couldn't hole in one our hole because of that. Um, you had to two putt it at the very least, um, because you couldn't get up that ramp in, in one hit. Okay. So you, you had a high difficulty. Well, cause it, well, and there was an angle there. I guess I should explain there was an angle, right? So it was kind of an L shape and then you'd have to go up the ramp. So you couldn't bank it off the edge and get it up that ramp in one because the angle was too steep. And it was funny cause we had some people trying to figure out the physics uh-huh. of it. So they would whack the golf ball very hard, which then would just launch it across the office. Um, so that was, um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but, um, that was one of my uh, science encounters this week. Sure. Again, yeah, yeah. more engineering, but same, same, similar. Uh, right on. I mean, so people aren't necessarily using the scientific method to solve things, but engineering is very much a science-based. Uh, but you know what was cool? As I said, is we did spend some time play testing. 
Okay. And we did make some modifications and and um, of the of the hole itself hmm. um, while doing the play testing, which was a lot of fun to kind of have that informing our design. So how how much better was it after you did some testing and revising? What, did it go from like unplayable to like pretty good or was it a lot more fun? Was it surprising? What happened? I think the main thing that changed, so we, we did make a few modifications that made the whole more playable, but the main thing that changed is kind of the story we would tell about oh. our whole. Okay. Because sometimes things wouldn't work the way that it was designed. And so we would explain at the beginning how the whole was designed because the, th- the holes all had themes and I won't go into all that. Oh. But we would then say, but our hole also has several loopholes in it. So anything goes. And so then that would kind of explain when things went a little wonky and people got a big kick out of it and they loved being able to kind of find, you know, not follow the way like the hole was clearly designed to go, but mm-hmm. kind of find their own way through it. So that was fun. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay. So you at least had like kind of a pitch and story. Oh yeah. I had, a, I had a whole ah. story and pitch that went along with it. Okay, cool. Yeah. What do you think? Um, did you want to share another one or should I go? What it, what when have you stumbled into science this week? Oh, little by little, I, well, this week and in, in recent months, I've been I've been trying to learn more about electronics, a little bit about um, this electrical is a computer. engineering. Yeah. Oh no, not that kind of electronics. Uh, sure, but maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. But <laughs> it's uh, it's you know I I tend to come from well, tend to come from I'm way more practiced and aware of building software than I am of building something electronic and having there's electrons flow through a thing and their circuits and sure. And, and yeah, I'm still learning the difference between a diode and a capacitor and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but you know, learning little by little. Do you have a flux learn capacitor how, yet? I do all over the place. <laughs> it explains why I'm always lost. No, uh, no I, I, um, I don't even have like a um, like a novelty USB flux capacitor, <laughs> so, much less the real one. So there's a uh, um, let's see, that's that's like context, and and so yeah. I, I'm I'm yeah. I have this appetite and willingness to take on some kind of house maintenance things that I haven't necessarily been as um, excited or open to do before. Um, so things like uh, I like I installed. And we can we, we actually should talk about these in, in a future episode. But like I installed a Rachio sprinkler. Yes, I installed a an Echobee um, <clears throat> thermostat. Yes, which each you know, so each each of those two things involves some wiring, right? Mm-hmm. But then um, in the last couple of days, I've been trying to install a um, a Ring doorbell mm. or Ring doorbell Pro, I think is what they call it. Yes, and um, it's been quite the endeavor. Yes, it has. So, again, joyful endeavor. Just um, ah, you know, it depends depends on my mindset. Depends on how I'm looking at it. Uh, <laughs> if I'm looking at my watch and thinking about what I also intended to get done in the last and couple of days, how much time I've spent, I have to take some deep breaths and be like, okay, I am actually learning a lot by doing this, and that that's, part I like. That's very cool. Um. And, you know, sometimes that that's, I arrive at that after a couple of, you know, solid mumbling swear minutes or whatever, <laughs> but either way, it, it's, it's overall pretty, pretty interesting. And so, so the, the learning was, um, honestly within maybe 
10 to 15 minutes, I had the thing installed. And we have a traditional doorbell with a ding dong, you know, uh, actual <laughs> physical physical chime thing, right? Where yep. there's, there's sort of like two electrically activated hammers that point at like someone broke a xylophone and put it in a box. Yeah. And has only two of the panels there. And ding and dong, right? And uh, <laughs> is that what it says right on them? <laughs> yes. This one's ding and that one's dong. Yes. And uh, so you put you install a little component inside that box, and then you go and take your doorbell off. Yeah. Off, you know, take the old old doorbell off, and then there, there was two wires, and you put them on the ring doorbell, and you screw that into the wall, and and pow, you're done. Magic. Easy peasy. This sounds like something I could do. Totally. This is... And, I'm actually pretty good you're at wiring. You're super skilled. So, and and yeah. honestly, I, I think, you know, I, I still have to catch up as far as what you know about wiring. But, um, but I'm learning. And it turns out that I've had a lot of hiccups and issues. And, and I've been trying to figure out through my own research and then also working with Ring's tech support, which they, they've, they've been really nice. Their tech support's really good. But yet, um, through many, much trial and error, it's not yeah. working. And... So the, the learning comes from, well, evidently a lot of doorbell systems have, um, sort of their 10 volts, no, it's 16 volts, 10 amps or something like that. Uh-huh. And that's not quite enough to power, um, the ring doorbell, the ring doorbell. It right? needs more power. Yeah. It needs so more how power. would you put more power to a doorbell? You just attached the wires. Like, where is it going to get more power? That's, I have thought this too. And they're like, they're telling me this. And I'm like, seriously, I have no idea what to do with that. And then they sent me an email, part of their tech support help. And it was, um, they're like, hey, get this other, um, this other transformer. So essentially. More than meets the eye. Unfortunately, no. Because that would have been cool. It's like, you know what? I do install a doorbell and I went and bought a transformer. And I have that as Mike mascot and we hang out. Right. And when somebody rings the doorbell, the transformer transforms and says, That'd someone at your fantastic. door. Fantastic. Yes. I'm picturing Bumblebee. Who are you picturing? Uh, Optimus Prime. Okay. So yeah, first generation too. Not first. Oh yeah. Not the movie. So, um. Oh, I was picturing Bumblebee from the movies. From. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, so it was a different kind of transformer. Fair enough. And so I think transformers uh, step down power from one power source to, you know, to another. I don't really know. I think that's the idea. Not an expert in this stuff, really. But it was a little box. And so the old one stepped it down too far. And then I had to go out and buy, I found one that, that fit in the, in the range that ring likes, which is uh, between 16 and 24 volts. Okay. And we were only at 10? Right. Okay. No, technically, uh, so I have a, um... Uh, a multimeter that yeah. I'm not awesome at using, but I can fumble my way through. Yeah. And I got it to read, if it, it read like um, 14 point, it read high 14, right? Or okay. something like that. And I thought maybe, what do I know, right? Right. And uh, so it didn't read like super low, uh, but it turns out, yeah, that's, it wasn't anywhere close enough. And so here I am, I'm learning, learning how to, in practicing with uh, multimeter, I'm learning about the existence of transformers. And also if you have a, in, you know, a, a doorbell that has, you know, this transformer, this thing can be anywhere in your house. Yes. And it's not that big. 
Yeah, it's this little metal box. I remember because you came to me and you were like, have you seen something that looks like this? You had a picture of it on your phone in our house. And I was like, hmm, no. But you found it really pretty quick. <laughs> well, it sort of struck a, you know, kind of plucked at the back of my brain. I'm like, I saw something kind of like this, not exactly this coloring, but, and it turns out it was right above the litter box. <laughs> Really, really. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great experience. Mm, yep, yep, yep. And thank, I did not delve into litter box science, but I, I did, uh, I did swap out that that transformer and got that working. I did enjoy the little. Um, so you know, completing a circuit, like how do you know how do things happen with electricity? It's like electrons flow across the wire, and you know they complete. Um, if you break a circuit, that's how you shut things off. You complete a circuit, yeah. that's how you turn things on, and then. I had the fun of realizing, oh yeah, so those two wires hanging out of the door, uh, out of the hole where I had the ring hung up, and our old doorbell used to be, I could just connect those two and make the make the doorbell go ding dong again, and that was fun. That was fun, except for every single time, completely confused me and the kids. <laughs> like clearly, you're out on the front step, but every time we were like, "Is someone at the door?" Nope, just me. <laughs> so, um. And that's kind of where, where things are, were at. I, I did try one last ditch effort where, so, I mean, the long, long and short of it is, you know, the, I don't have the ring doorbell successfully working. They're sending me like some other power kit that I'm going to have to figure out how to run a wire to and stuff. That'll be an interesting exercise that I don't, um, that'll be right. More learning. Hopefully that can go by the transformer, by the litter box. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine if it does. I just want the thing to work. That would be and, nice. Uh, so they're sending me that. We'll see how this goes. In the meantime, and if you come to our house, doorbell doesn't work. Doorbell doesn't work right now. <laughs> nope. Um, I even did try right, routing around. So I went. I looked up at our doorbell, and like one of the tech support people said, "Hey, your your existing chime, the, the what I refer to as ding dong, is actually called chime. The, your, yeah, your, your doorbell chime, and um, it it may actually be." taking too much of the power sucking from the, circuit. the power yeah so you could i could route i could route around it and not include it and i actually did that too so i was like so then when somebody pushed the doorbell what would have happened nothing silence no matter what even if i sat, sat at the front door crossing those two wires by hand like i was nothing and but in the theory the the, the idea being like okay maybe now nothing is taking any extra power from the circuit it should be good and it still wasn't good enough. But I did learn and practice this stuff. And I was completing the circuits. Didn't get hurt. It was good. So. Fantastic. Told you this was a long one. But that's that that's was a mine. good one. Yeah. That's a, that's really good. I had one more science encounter. Nice. Um, that was kind of a fun, a fun one. Um, we noticed this week that the rhubarb that I had planted on the side of the house had really kind of popped up. So do you think any listeners would know, would, would, would be asking now at this point, what's a rhubarb? Now everybody knows what rhubarb is. No, it, I, don't, I have a theory. I don't think so because rhubarb, rhubarb, it, rhubarb is the plant that yeah. some, someone figured out isn't poisonous but doesn't have a taste. <laughs> it does. It's super sour. You are like the only person on the planet. It is very tart. If you go and chomp a rhubarb, Sure. But if you cook a rhubarb, there's nothing. It's just... Are you kidding? Really? Yes. It's very sour, very tart, very sweet. Oh, man, I've and, made... and very famous, too. Everyone <laughs> knows a rhubarb. 
Okay. Strawberry rhubarb pie. Fair enough. Apple rhubarb pie. Rhubarb it looks bread. Like, it looks like celery, basically. It does. It, does. it kind of looks like celery. celery. But it's got these giant leaves on the end of it. Okay. So the kids and I went and picked the rhubarb today. And I only wanted to bring the rhubarb in the house, not the giant leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was looking, and these leaves were huge. And the veins on the back of the leaves are very pronounced, very thick and very pronounced. Hmm. And so I showed it to the kids and I said, you know, have you done, and, and I know they have, they've been doing, uh, well, the younger one anyway has been doing leaf rubbings at school where you put a piece of paper over the leaf and then you color over it with the side of a crayon and then the image of the leaf appears. It's like magic. <laughs> Art, science, and magic punks. <laughs> So I said, wouldn't this one, wouldn't this be fun to do these with these big leaves? And they were like, yeah, we're all for it. It was a little windy, but we did it anyway. It was a riot. But the other thing they did is these leaves were probably, well, I will tell you that an eight, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, is 11 by 10, eight and a half by 10? Eight and a half by 11. You're thinking school photos too much. <laughs> yes, I am. Eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Um, it took two of them to cover a leaf. Whoa. I mean, these are big. They're big leaves. So then the girls took that. Well, before we did the coloring, um, they took them and they put them on their heads. And they actually like folded down around their heads like hats. <laughs> like they made like they made leaf bonnets. Sure. That's kind of weird. So they look like cabbage patches. They kind of look like cabbage patch children. Yeah. And um, then <laughs> um, our seven-year-old uh really wanted to make clothing out of them. She wanted to tr- find a way to put some of them together because they were so, they, we had several of these mm-hmm. and they were so big. So she had the hat on, she had like a little um, bonnet and then she was like trying to figure out how she could, you know, make the rest of them into clothes. And mm-hmm. she was super disappointed when I told her they would rot. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, mom. And I'm like, what? Just telling you the facts, man. It's not planted in the ground anymore. So it was very fun. And uh, we did. We had a lot of fun, you know, kind of exploring the leaves and studying them. And um, it was very windy out. So then they thought they could turn them into kites. And yeah, (laughs) it was leaf exploration. But then, so then once we were kind of, you know, done and spent our rhubarb leaf excitement, um, we were going to go put the leaves in the compost. So we go over to my sad, sad composter and um, put the leaves in. And I'm looking in there and I'm like, aha. And actually, I think it was the oldest one who said, um, the oldest one who said, um, mom, we got to put dried leaves in here. That's what it needs, dried leaves. And she remembers because we had watched the YouTube video because we had one of our listeners um, tweet at us. Which was uh, Leonard Angelo. Yep. Leonard Thank, had tweeted it. Who is uh, Langelo Art on Twitter. Thank you, Leonard. That's been a long time for us to follow up on this, but uh, yeah. that video was a hit. Super hit. And this was, I mean, um, Leonard tweeted um, to the Art and Science Punks, gosh, I think it was like back in May, um, end of May, we had talked about our garden and our composting. Um, with this video, and um, we had wa- we watched it. So we'd been putting kitchen scraps and kitchen scraps and kitchen scraps and more kitchen scraps into our composter, and it just wasn't really doing a whole lot. <laughs> well, Leonard had pointed us to a video um, from a gentleman from a TED Talk 
that is, you know, all about everything you're doing in your composter is wrong. And boy, didn't I, if I wasn't um, doing absolutely everything that this TED Talk had explained, I was just like doing it all wrong. Um, and so anyway, the kids had remembered this video and that the main thing that we need are kind of the dry leaves that fall from your trees in the fall. Mm. And so we went and got a bucket and a rake and we were raking up leaves and filling the bucket and running it back to the composter. So we'll see how our compost does. If we can actually get our kitchen scraps that have been sitting in there all summer to turn into compost by next summer. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. So that was another kind of place where um, we stumbled into some science today and it was fun to watch the kids kind of recall that and um, kind of come up with that on their own as we were just shoving our rhubarb leaves into the composter. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's some solid uh, solid world of stumbling into science. Right? Mm-hmm. These but, six walls of the world. Yeah. Tetris world. Tetris, Tetris world. Yeah. Isn't now the, I kind of want to paint the walls in here like Tetris blocks. Uh, that'd be pretty cool, actually. There have, I've, oh, there's some awesome lights I've seen that w- look, um, they're essentially Tetris shapes that, uh, that are also oh, uh, yeah. ambient lighting. Yes, I've seen those. Very interesting. Also the theme, I like it. I know, I, yes, I like this. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I'm seeing a lot of possibility in these walls. But in the meantime... We may have some something else to do. Do we have some picks? We do have some picks. That is a good reminder. I All have right. an art pick tonight. Excellent. I have a science pick, but would you like to go first? I would love to go first. Ah, cool. What do you have? I have no idea. I know. Um, I have kind of a goofy one. Um, I have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull a Rob right now because <laughs> I kind of had two picks, but they're really closely related. So I'm going to talk about them both. Um, you got to rationalize it as you go, though. <laughs> don't, don't half pull them up. So one of the things that I've been kind of fascinated in looking at some fun photos um, recently um, or lately is, is our, our beautiful quilts. Hmm. And I'm not talking about your grandma's quilt here, um, although I know many a grandma who sews an amazing quilt. Um, mm-hmm. But just some really funky, cool quilts and just quilting as art and people will make amazing like amazing designs cool scenery photos um just really cool stuff and so i was i was looking at some of these the other day and kind of following some links and i stumble upon um the tokyo international great quilt festival and this festival has been going on for a few years and it's huge it's seven days long there's a million different categories there's vendors there's everything 250,000 people go to this thing. What? Yeah, the Tokyo International Great Great Quilt Festival. Um, And so then the grand prize winner did this kind of white flower, um, almost an up close of this white flower. And it's uh, very three-dimensional looking. It's it's pretty amazing that it's a quilt. Um, It looks like an amazing pencil sketch, but yet... Yeah. I mean, how big is that quilt? I have no idea. But it's and hanging on a wall. I mean, like a wow. big, very large wall. I mean, it's kind of a, is that a, like a lotus flower? But, um, or like, man, I, or there, there went my, I just fell off my flower knowledge cliff. I, I, I know, know nothing. 
I don't know. So anyway, we'll, you know what, we'll put some links to the Tokyo uh, Quilt Festival from 2017. Okay. Um, they're currently planning for 2018. If anybody wants to start, you know, doing a quilt, I don't know what the rules are, but um, pretty cool. So that is one of my picks. And then my other pick is something that I'm kind of um, toying around with doing. Um, and that is trying to make, um, and I didn't know the term for it, so I had to look it up, but with what what the quilt folk call a ticker tape quilt. Ticker tape. Ticker tape huh. quilt. Um, and so it's basically taking little tiny scraps of fabric and you sew them just like onto your quilt on the top without like doing any hemming or like turning the edges under. You just leave all the edges raw, oh. but you sew a ton of little tiny pieces in different patterns and make it And it. I don't know why they call it ticker tape. Cause to me, ticker tape is like the thing that scrolls along the bottom of your sure. news channels. Yeah. But ticker, uh, there must be another meaning of it. I think so. So anyway, well, I'll post a link to kind of how you do how to do it in a couple of cool images. There was one that I saw that was um, super cool. Someone took the tip, ticker tape concept and made a very cool skull pattern. Well, a mosaic. I guess that's another idea. Yeah. Like, like not, now this I'm one's a little this. more mosaic, but the yeah. the the um, technique that they used, where again your raw edges are all showing mm-hmm. on the top of the quilt. Um, is what this little yeah. So it's like skull. all the because I guess normally the quilt pieces are integrated with one another. Where this is yep. like they're just sewn they, on they're top. just connected to the back. Yep, they're sewn on the top. Ah. And, well, no, you you do a top piece, so it's not connected to the back, but it's gotcha. Okay, you have a solid right. piece on the top that you sew everything onto. It's okay, connected to the top, yes. which is not the back. Sewn onto the top. Yes, with all the raw edges showing. Cool. That, that's an interesting technique. And so anyway, I'm toying to with doing it. Okay. And you're, oh, okay. So do you have an idea like what you would do? Nope. No? Nope. Okay. Just started researching, just started thinking. Hmm. But I have a lot of scrap fabric and so I thought it might be kind of fun to do. Okay. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Might be some interesting ways to, to try to transfer a design onto something that large. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of times. A lot of times, I, I mean, I, people use projectors. Yeah. And then you, you know, make some markings to whatever level of detail you care to. To, sort to of, yeah, lay out the pattern. Yeah, imbue the pattern on the large thing. Yeah. 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 Kind of like what might happen with Tetris stuff on the walls of my office. Exactly what would happen with the Tetris design in your office walls. Yes. All right. Do uh, you have a science pick? I do. Fantastic. It's another explorable explanation article. And uh, so explorable explanations are when you have some prose, some journalism, but it's, but it's provided alongside or integrated with interactive examples that help, um, help you discover the concepts that are contained within the narrative. And so this one is all about um, the addictiveness of slot machines. Oh, interesting. And charting out, like, why, why does it work that way? So if, if you said, um, you know, hey, hey Rob, um, let's see, ask me a good question and I'll, I'll give you five bucks if I like, or I'll give you a, a penny if I like the question or whatever, right? Okay. And then 
you gave me a penny every time I asked you a question. Yeah, right? you'd get bored. That would, um, yeah, exactly. So my time spent in that activity would probably be shorter, even though like the reward is linear. Yeah. Right. Um, even if it was like, I hand you one penny, you would give me back two. And literally like I'm doubling my. Yeah, no, it's predictable. We, our brains don't like, predi- don't like just, our brains like predictability, but not monotony. That's yeah. And, and so slot machines are, are, are engineered to take advantage of that and, and a few other biases. And that's, what's really cool. cool is how this article shows like the feeling of almost winning is a big one. And also the, the, the feeling related to uh, intermittent rewards and you combine those two very strong, the subtle. Yeah. Some really, there's a lot of strength behind that intermittent reward. Yep. So that it, it's a really Pavlov's dogs prove that. Yeah. Gosh, rough old experiments. Gosh, yeah. darn it. I just did a pun. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Pavlog's dog. Pavlog's dog. Uh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this, uh, th- this article does a great job um, of, of teaching the, the psychology behind this, this kind of uh, design. Cool. Oh, and, I, I'll look forward to checking that out. Awesome. And yeah, this is an article that uh, The Guardian put out. And um, I, I will link to this in the show notes. But it's really fun. Lots of, I mean, either wear headphones or crank it up, however, but lots of fun um, so- casino-like sounds. I was going to say, is there like around. the cha-ching slot machine sounds? Totally. Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even the charts make make sound effects and whatnot too. If oh, fun. Yeah, as you scroll along in there. It's uh, it's really good stuff. So, and there's um, there's little video interviews along the way, people teaching you the the things that are um, very interactive, being presented and whatnot too. So, highly recommend it. Um, oh, I can't wait to try it. Yep, exactly. Do, can you win real money? Uh, Get a little Bitcoin only once in a while, and it's tough to know when. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like listening to our podcast. <laughs> exactly. We're intermittently rewarding as well. <laughs> I love it. Well, that wraps us up for today. Thanks for listening and for being part of our art and science punks community. Robbie, tell us where the fine people can find us online. Yeah. Art and science punks has a blog at art and science and on Twitter at art science punks. We're also on Instagram at Art and Science Punks. And you can find our podcast feed at artsciencepunks.fireside.fm or on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Podcasts, where we would appreciate your kind words and ratings. Thanks, and you can tweet me at Kate Stenzinger on Twitter. And I am Rob Stenzinger on Twitter. Keep building, making, and sharing. With us. You bumped your microphone. I didn't bump mine this time. Good job. Good. Yeah. Way to go. I, I'm hey. like slapping my microphone over here. You like to... S- <laughs> Not touching that one. <laughs> oh, no.